You're listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. Join your host, Pascal Fintoni, for what promises to be an exciting and intriguing voyage of discovery filled with advice, stories, and film marketing ideas. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on with today's episode of the Film Marketing Academy podcast. Well, this week in film marketing, we're talking about a film from back in 2011. It's called Drive. The director was Nicholas Winding Refn, and it starred Ryan Gosling and Carey Mulligan. And it's an action-packed thriller mm-hmm. with a lot of stylistic stuff going on. So let's have a look at the trailer. If I drive for you, you give me a time and a place. I give you a five-minute window. Anything happens in that five minutes and I'm yours, no matter what. I don't sit in while you're running it down. I don't carry a gun. I drive. So you just moved to LA? No, I've been here for a while. What do you do? I drive for movies. Is that dangerous? It's only part-time. You put this kid behind the wheel. There's nothing he can't do. Kid, I want you to meet Mr. Bernie Rose. My hands are a little dirty. So am I. My husband's coming home. Where is he? He's in prison. There's some guys that want me to do a job for him, and I'm not going to do it. What is that you got there? One of those men gave you that? What's the job? When you get your money, his debt's paid. You never go near his family again. <gasps> Did you have any idea there'd be a second car? He said there'd be another car to hold us up. Whose money do I have? I'm gonna tell you something. Anybody finds out we're both dead. That's why this driver's gotta go, Bernie. He's gotta go. Any dreams you have or plans for your future, I think you're going to have to put that on hold. For the rest of your life, you're going to be looking over your shoulder. Wow, Pascal, you chose this film. It's a belter. Tell me yeah. why you. Tell me why you like this one. Do you know? For me, the the more I was thinking about the selection, which was driven first by a, a, the marketing campaign the more I realized that this is actually probably an example of under-communication. That is to say, the movie itself is far, far better than what the marketing campaign managed to express and and capture, which I think is also what comes with the benefit of of hindsight. But it had everything that I would want as a moviegoer because it was enthralling, it was haunting. You think about it afterwards in terms of what you can see, 
what you can hear, but also how much you feel for the main characters and twists and turns and so on. And when you kind of look into it, as, as I've done and, and start to read up some old interviews from 10 years ago sometimes, you, you understand that there was also a commitment by all the filmmakers, including Ryan Gosling, who I think became a producer at some stage, but also Ron Perlman and Charlie Brooks and Brian Craxton. They just loved the story and they put their, their, their kind of hole into it because the movie got delayed by which time Ron Perman had become almost like an uber star, you know, and he was still interested. I remember the director asking, well, why do you still want to be in my little film? I mean, this is a movie that um, only, I know, only cost $50 million <laughs> to make, but then make this money tenfold since. And Ron said, I just want to be that character. I want to play that character. So you end up with this, this kind of um, cast and crew commitment to telling a story and a almost like a dare, almost like a bet of, can we combine um, a very stylish movie that would be more akin to what you would expect in outhouse mo movie, and can we also bring the action and the kind of the, uh, the pace of maybe what has been sometimes poorly compared to the Fast and Furious and, and, and other franchises. Uh, and, and for me, I mean, since we did the, um, the, the research for marketing campaign today, I've had the Drive uh, soundtrack album on the loop, you know, almost every other day as well. Oh, fantastic. Now, um, I watched this again last night, and I say again because at first I wasn't, I wasn't actually sure whether we'd actually seen it. Um, I think I may have confused it with another film called Baby Driver mm. uh, at one point, um, and I maybe thought that that's the film I'd seen before, but we have actually seen it because I did recognise quite a lot of the scenes when we watched it again. Fantastic soundtrack, as you said, and actually quite a violent film, you know, quite mm. a lot of graphic violence. Initially, I did think... Ryan Gosling's character, I don't know whether it was deliberate or not at the time, but he seems to be very deadpan, very little emotion, you know, one um, expression on his face pretty much throughout the entire film. And I just thought, is he is he deliberately not acting or is this in, on, intentional? But you actually explained that to me in the green room, that they were trying to create that sort of mysterious, almost like Clint Eastwood, man with no name sort of vibe. Is that right? Yeah, well, if you look at the uh, you know the the details of the movie, whether you go on IMDb the, or Wikipedia and so on, uh, the character is known as the driver. The driver. That's yeah. it. Um, when you also remember that this is taken from a novel, then you have that dark, gritty side of you know those kind of uh, novels that they capture very, very well. I, w I remember saying to Denise when it, it began, saying, you could watch this in black and white, Eric. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, because the way which they capture particularly um, the nightscape, uh, you know, I've, I've covered this with Nightcrawler as well in one of the reviews. And so you have this situation where you have, obviously, this individual who... Is almost to me behaving like a um, like a samurai or certainly a, a ronin, trying to make a living in between sharing his time between being a, a stunt driver for Hollywood movies and a getaway driver for criminals, mm -hmm. but literally not getting involved emotionally with anybody. He's just kind of single-mindedly thinking, I'm going to do this for a while, make enough money, and then leave this this world. And of course, his plans do not um, come true because he's involved and drawn into the world of uh, criminals. And I mean, I, I think I, I would say that it's one of the time where Ron Perlman was really awful mm -hmm. as a character. You, know, you, mm -hmm. want, you, you love hating him. 
um, because you, you could see that there were some nuances with Charlie Brooks' character, and certainly Brian Craxton, who played the kind of uh, flawed mentor for for the character of the driver. But Ron Perlman was such a uh, wonderful, wonderful buddy. So you end up a situation where you tell the story in a way that there's moment of. Uh, where there's nothing much happening, the music takes over, the camera slows down, it's almost kind of contemplative in nature, and then bam, violence and the action kind of catches you off guard, very much like I've seen in Japanese or Hong Kong cinema. Yeah, yeah. So, Pascal, let's have a look at the marketing. Mm. Now, you've done quite a lot of research on this, and, and what never ceases to amaze me <laughs> is that some of these films that you think, well, they actually didn't do much, did they? But actually, you've uncovered a lot of stuff here. Well, there was things I remembered, but of course, the, the wonders of, of, of the internet. Uh, disappointingly, though <laughs> the, the official website is no longer with us, whether yeah. it's US or UK. Yeah. Um, the social media have been taken over by the publishers themselves, so you can't find a dedicated um, network for Drive. The Facebook has been left you know, um, neglected. But what is interesting for me is to take you back to May 2010. Now, this movie was released officially on the 16th of September 2011. But in May 2010, very much this idea of lesson to be derived from, from marketing, the director went to the Cannes Film Festival before they even shot a single scene from the movie, <laughs> uh, from the movie with um, essentially made up um, promotional posters or mock-ups to secure interest, financial interest, but also to start to whet the appetite of the um, the audience as well as the, the critics. And to me, that's an important element of the last time and time again with um, kind of independent filmmakers, one of those who have an entrepreneurial mindset, which is you start early, don't start to talk about the film when it's finished or when you're about to film. You know, you literally start a year earlier, May 2010, which means that a year later, in May 2011, when the movie is in competition at the Cannes Film Festival, then not only people uh, waiting for it, there's anticipation, but you are essentially greeted with a 15-minute standing ovation <laughs> and you're given the uh, festival uh, honor, the award for Best Director for Drive. That's that's incredible, isn't it? But a, a lesson that we can all learn, you know, you, you should start to t to tease your product well in advance of the launch. It's it's just good marketing techniques, which we don't do enough. You know, I mean, you and I talk ourselves a lot in saying, you know, we need to start to tease. Um, talking of teasers, so at the, at the same time as obviously the Cannes Film Festival, uh, bear in mind that when a movie is in competition, only those who have been lucky enough to be in the screening room at the time and the jury and so on have seen. So nobody saw Drive, they just knew that it won Best Director. So creating a sense of, well, what is it? Who is this? So they released a teaser trailer and very, very cleverly, I think, for the teaser trailer in mid-2011, not only did they combined a montage of the film, but they also introduced this element, which is an important part of the experience, um, a song, A Real Hero by College. And mm -hmm. this is when you start to be introduced to that kind of 80s um, soundscape. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely has that 80s vibe, doesn't it? Mm. You know, it's, there's a lot of bright lights, lots of neon, and yeah, the music is definitely, definitely 80s, which... I 
wholeheartedly approve of. <laughs> I mean, it's just just wonderful. So then you can kind of follow the chronology of the marketing campaign. So then a couple of months later in June, they released a, a second teaser trailer where we see more about the character of the driver and what would become an, the iconic jacket, you know, with the white jacket, kind of bomber jacket with the yellow scorpion um, mm -hmm. in the back. And we're, we're going to come back to this in a moment. Then in July, you have the full-length trailer that we just watched all of us a, or heard a, a, a moment ago. And then from July you know, to the release in September, there's not much time left. So there's a, a bit more done in terms of releasing stills, posters, uh, a bit more done in terms of, of, of the music, but very, very quickly, they have to rely on what we're going to come back to into some form of PR stunts. But actually, mm -hmm. the marketing almost took a different direction. You had the effort of the production company and distributors, and then you had the reaction of the audience and there was certainly this strange mood and movement starting to kind of happen particularly on the internet where people say hang on a minute i went to see the movie on the basis of the trailer but the movie is not at all as suggested by the trailer hang on a minute i've seen the poster i've seen the typeface with the neon lights and so on i thought it was going to be a comedy or family movie and i feel like i've been misled and you had this kind of parallel forces of the distributors doing their very best to promote a film that they were very proud of but some strange reactions which uh, created some unexpected controversy that was being kind of captured and replayed by the media this is really strange, isn't it? I had not really picked up on it. I don't think the typeface jarred with me at all. But not now all I'm not. actually now I'm actually looking at the posters. I can I can I sort of perhaps understand why people might have thought that, but maybe not to the not to the level of some of the comments that you've um, highlighted in the notes here. Um, but uh, yeah, I suppose it, you could create it. It just goes to show that. Even with the, some of the things that you might think as throwaway as a typeface can have a major effect on the perception that it creates with people. That's quite quite astonishing, really. Yeah, and, and for me, it was more, I was thinking, okay, well, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, for sure, but not to the point where you're going to be quite, you know, uh, belligerent about it. I mean, uh, you got to the point where, from a PR point of view, somebody actually sued the uh, um, production company, <laughs> saying that your trailer is misleading, you kind of conned me into saying something, and my position would be the reverse. I would say, wow, this movie is so much better <sighs> than what I was able to kind of glean from the trailer because for me the trailer that we saw which is the international uh, trailer which is perhaps one of the challenges was more to showcase all the different actors that agreed to be part of this amazing kind of production I, I think that was probably opportunity if time had been available and maybe budget to create different trailers to capture different facets of the story such as for example the, the music more maybe the the the, the nightscape and, and i would say that there are moments where you've got just a scene of driving into through the streets of los angeles with that kind of 80s neo-noir almost cyberpunkerish you know music it's just delightful and nothing will happen apart from a guy driving around, but to me, it's just part of it. So, yeah, it, it's just been really quite fascinating to realize that people got a bit upset about, about it. To the extent of filing a lawsuit? <laughs> I mean, come on. I, I mean, I hope this woman who filed this lawsuit lost, and I hope mm. the court awarded um, damages to the filmmakers. I mean, who 
really can be offended by something like that. They, they, they think they were misled by a trailer for a film. Come on, wake up. Mm. Wake up, for goodness sake. That is just unbelievable. But, gosh, it's the world that we live in now. Yeah, so for, so for me, I don't believe for a moment that the marketing campaign was, was misleading. I think the marketing campaign liked maybe a dimension, you know, should be a bit, mm-hmm. a bit more diverse, but of course you and I are not privy of the limitations, you know, that, that I mentioned a moment ago. Because when you consider, you know, again, the storyline and you read about the ambition for the director, he wanted to, to literally create a um, fairy tale for grown-ups mm-hmm, with everything mm-hmm. that comes with it. So you have the version for children where the violence, everything else is torn down. And this is essentially, you know, the, the, the story tale they want to kind of, fairy tale story they wanted to share. And once you kind of understand that was his intention, and then he borrowed from, you know, Live and Die in LA, for example, he mentioned that uh, many of the movies that we've mentioned, you kind of go, this is just so, so good, you know, and we should, you know, enjoy it and continue to do so. But anyway, put to one side the, the weird, weird reaction and controversy, what the filmmakers were able to do then is lean on the I would say the core assets of mm, the jacket, mm. interestingly, the soundtrack again, and of course the car, because it is about you know driving a car. So Film District would be the, the major brand for the promotion and the distribution of the film, created a competition on Twitter, whereby they would upload updates and so on, and people could win a replica of the Scorpion jacket. You have people actually making the jacket themselves. And putting pictures of themselves wearing the jacket at the movies to go and see Drive again, and putting this on on Twitter, it had reaction from both the, the filmmakers and the fan. But I have to say, it's a good jacket, isn't it? Oh yes, it's a good, it's a it's a smart car as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Well, so talking about the, the soundtrack, uh, this idea of um, for me, what is interesting about the soundtrack, I've listened to it quite a few times. You, you have the elements where the, you've got really the whole range of what the eighties was all about when we started to introduce, you know, keyboards and and the synth. Sometimes it's quite melancholic and it's almost kind of um, ambient. And sometimes it's very romantic, actually, and, and almost quite innocent and naive in nature. Did you find that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they were able to then, you know, kind of capture that into an album that was released at the same time as a film. Of course, you went online and uh, people are still to this day talking about particularly the music video of a real hero that um, we, we talked about it. My favorite, actually, is the one that is in the opening credits called Night Call, which I think uh-huh. is interesting, yeah. where yeah. all you see is essentially is a POV of the driver. Um, with, with the letters you know, that we mentioned a moment ago, um, it's just brilliant. But talking about the car, of course, you know, they had to lean on that as well. So they partnered up with Ubisoft to create a mobile game for iOS and Android where you would drive the car, obviously. Um, and I did my research because I'm not really uh, into cars, but a Chevrolet Impala that actually, um, according to urban legend, Ryan Gosling repaired himself and wanted to kind of be one with the machine you know, as part of the film. So you could play the game on your mobile phone uh, in particular, and maybe an early version, the kind of PR stand that you've mentioned to me on, um, oh my goodness, what's the game that you play on the on the island, sorry? Uh, Fortnite. Um, Fortnite, you know, where Fortnite sometimes becomes a destination for a brand positioning. So they were able to also include the, the car driven by the driver uh-huh. in a popular kind of PlayStation game called um, Forza Motorsport Number 4. So... <laughs> 
it was all there, if you like, you know, to really to be to be appreciated. But it feels to me like if you just take on board the marketing messages and then you sit down and watch the movie and let yourself kind of taken by by the universe that they've created. The film is so much better than marketing campaign would invite you to to believe and think. Yeah, I agree, and I think that uh, I suppose in hindsight, and hindsight is a wonderful thing. But mm. maybe I mean I'm not endorsing at all this lunatic that sued them, <laughs> uh, but maybe the marketing campaign didn't actually accurately portray the movie as it as it should have done, and and. That's what created that situation. Maybe if, if they'd been a little bit more clear what the genre was, maybe mm. focus more on the music in advance, maybe focus more on the... the, the what was that... Um, um, I remember when we did the review of Sea of Love a few a few times back, uh, and one of the, the key points of Sea of Love was they wanted to make New York City part of the character of the film. That's right, yeah. And, mm. and I think that in this film... Los Angeles at night, even though they don't sort of focus in on the the recognizable landmarks like the Hollywood sign or or um, Santa mm. Monica Pier, I think that L.A. was part of the star of the show. It was it was one of the characters. Maybe they should have focused a bit more like that in the marketing as well. Well, they could have done so many things, and, and forgive me, you know, maybe they have done so, but it's, it has disappeared from from mm. view. I mean, that mm. that's one one of my frustrations as you and I becoming almost film marketing historians. It's that it's not an old film. I mean, two thousand eleven. It's not that long ago, but everything is gone. And I would love to speak to somebody, and we will one day, I'm sure, speak to somebody about saying, you know, it costs just dollars per year to hold the domain name and to archive the website for others to to enjoy. Because actually, if you don't, what is happening is that your web address can be hijacked by yes. somebody else. Because at the moment, you have an internet full of uh, articles, reviews, and more with hyperlinks to a domain name mm -hmm. that you no longer own and control. Because people assume that, you know, um, drive-movie.com is, is still in existence, and, and mm. it's not. So that, so to me, is is one of um, disappointment. But um, I just wanted to kind of quickly ask you then, did you have a favorite moment in a film? Very hard question to ask you, but it's such an enthralling story. Now. Is there a moment when you go, oh, my God? I... I I think the moments for me that stand out, I mean, I said earlier on that uh, um, Ryan Gosling, to me, on first watch, I thought he, he, he doesn't show any emotion. He's just got this deadpan look on his face. But there are moments in the film, aren't there, where it's almost like a switch gets flicked mm. and he turns into a real bad ass. <laughs> uh, and there's the one bit where he just walks into, I think it's a strip club or something, and he walks in with a hammer and he just basically grabs hold of one of the um, the thugs and starts bashing this guy's hand with the hammer. And that's, oh my goodness, that is just so sudden and so such a switch in the, in the character. But that happens a, f a number of times in the film, mm. you know, even towards the end when he puts the great big uh, mask on and he goes after Ron Perlman. Again, there's a moment of almost transition. And I think it's those moments in the film that do it for me. Yeah, I would agree, you know, because it's it's back to this idea of the samurai or the running mm. that he's holding it together until bang, you know, he's been pushed too far. That scene you mentioned where so because we know the driver is a Hollywood, you know, stunt driver. So he puts on this kind of latex a mask to 
mimic, you know, the, the look and feel of perhaps the actor that they meant to be a stunt double for. So he, he kind of puts it on almost like to um, himself, you know, uh, separation with what mm. he's about to do to kill people. And he walks very slowly towards that uh, pizza place. The music is very haunting as well, and in the kind of 80s synth. And he looks through the, um, the, the kind of the, the glass door and realizes that there are too many of them and therefore retreats and changes his mind. I thought you know, everything that went on about he was prepared to walk in, but then smartly, you know, part of the out of war, you know, kind of looking, thinking, now too many of you, I'll wait another day. You know, you've got all that going on. Um, I, I just think that uh, it was just superbly captured all the way. Yeah. So, Pascal, another great choice, mm. another great choice. Love the um, imagery, love the 80s vibe. And as I say, it reminded me of uh, other films like the aforementioned Nightcrawler, et cetera, et cetera, where L.A. as well was a star of the show. So, everyone, thank you. Thank you so much for watching or listening to Two Geeks and a Marketing Podcast. We've really enjoyed bringing you this episode. I think the, some of the content we've talked about this week has been absolute phenomenal, from a McDonald's TV ad to a remarkably good film like Drive. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Let us know your comments. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up with a comment on the YouTube channel. Until the next time, please do go out there and make sure that your marketing is done right. I was Roger Edwards and he was Pascal Fintoni. Thank you for listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. For more information about our film marketing consultancy and training services, go to filmmarketingacademy.com and book your free discovery video call. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and follow your host on social media for more updates.